Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This sermon series, as I mentioned, was written by Reed Lessing, including this sermon. The sermon series is entitled, Who is Jesus? Today's sermon is called, Jesus is the Son of David. Since the dawn of time, about 60 billion people have walked on planet Earth. Of those 60 billion people, only a handful have made any real lasting impression. In that handful of people, one person stands far above all others. His name is Jesus. Jesus never wrote a book, and yet millions of books have been written about him. Jesus never painted a picture, and yet the world's greatest art has Jesus as its source for inspiration. Jesus never raised an army, and yet millions of his followers have fought and died for him. Jesus never traveled very far from his birthplace, and yet his testimony has gone around the world. Jesus only had a handful of followers, and yet today over 30% of the world's population follows him. To ignore Jesus is disastrous. To reject Jesus is fatal. But to know Jesus is to love him. To love him is to trust him. To trust Jesus is to be radically, dramatically, and eternally changed by him. The most important question then that we can ever ask is this. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? That's the name of our sermon series for this Advent midweek service. Who is Jesus? Matthew wants us to know. That's what Matthew's genealogy is all about. He writes it so we can know Jesus. Today we begin with this truth. Jesus is the son of David. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, and Jesse, the father of King David. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to Christ. Jesus is the son of David, and David is a king. That makes Jesus the king. When we confess that Jesus is the king, we dare not confuse him with American politicians. While both are rulers, both are very different. American politicians make big, crazy promises, don't they? Here are some of the more recent ones. In 2004, John Edwards said, we'll stop diabetes, Parkinson's, and Alzheimer's. In 2012, Newt Gingrich said, we'll put a colony on the moon by 2020. In 2012, Michelle Bachman said, I'll pull American troops out of Libya and Africa. Politicians will say almost anything to get elected, won't they? And I didn't even mention anything from our last election cycle. In America, we're accustomed to leaders who say what the public wants them to say. No one's campaign slogan is slow, arduous change or realistic compromises. No, we want leaders who promise the moon or at least a colony on the moon. However, when we look at Jesus, we see a completely different kind of leader. A different kind of king. Jesus is the promised king. 
a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. When we hear the term Jesus Christ, we sometimes misunderstand it. Christ is not Jesus' last name. When he went in for a physical, the doctor didn't say, okay, let's see here, last name Christ, first name Jesus. No, Christ is a title. It's the Greek translation of the word for Messiah, which means anointed one. The Old Testament foretells of a coming Messiah, a king who would be anointed with the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's mission. The Messiah would come from the line of David. He'd be born in David's city and sit on David's throne. Matthew labors to demonstrate that Jesus is this king, the Christ, the Messiah, the son of David. When Matthew writes his gospel, Israel has been without a legitimate king for hundreds of years. Now Matthew declares, a king has finally come to sit on David's throne. It's Jesus. Matthew hammers this truth home by citing 10 specific Old Testament prophecies, writing that what was spoken might be fulfilled. Matthew cites the Old Testament 10 times and alludes to it over 250 times. Jesus is indeed the promised king. Jesus is also the compassionate king. Jesus doesn't come to drive out Israel's enemies. Jesus comes to bring in outcasts. That's evident in Matthew's genealogy. In the ancient world, people traced their ancestry through the Father. It comes as no surprise, then, that Matthew's genealogy is predominantly male. However, it isn't exclusively male. Did you notice that Matthew also mentions four women? There's Tamar in verse 3, Rahab and Ruth in verse 5, and Bathsheba in verse 6. Matthew doesn't highlight Jesus' connection to any of Israel's matriarchs, Sarah or Rebecca or Rachel. All four of the women in Matthew's genealogy are outsiders to Israel. Tamar was a Canaanite, so was Rahab. Ruth was a Moabite, and Bathsheba was a Hittite like her husband, Uriah the Hittite. Each of these women were outsiders to Israel. Moreover, each of these women had a stigma attached to them. Tamar was dishonored by her brother-in-law. Later, she deceived her father-in-law into sleeping with her so she could conceive children. Rahab was a prostitute. Bathsheba committed adultery with King David. Ruth once worshipped Chemosh. The Jews expected a Messiah who would come, drive out their Roman oppressors, and crush, crush the nations to establish God's rule. But at his, at his first coming, Jesus doesn't come to judge the nations. He comes to save the nations. Jesus brings outcasts home to God, and he removes the shame of the marginalized. Like Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. This is a preview of the rest of Matthew's gospel. Who does Jesus spend his time with? Outcasts. Jesus gets close to the diseased, to people who were quarantined from society, and Jesus touches them. He gets close enough to contract their diseases. 
Did you notice that three of the four women in Matthew's genealogy were sexually exploited? According to research, one in four women and one in six men will be sexually abused and exploited at some point in their lives. I know that some in this church carry deep wounds in this area of their lives. And often those wounds are deepened by the shame others inflict upon us. Jesus welcomes and heals people who carry these wounds, even the unnecessary wounds of shame. And that finally includes all of us. The ugly shame, the haunting shame. Jesus not only takes away our guilt, that's sin done by us. Jesus also takes away the shame, that's sin done to us. We don't have to drink our shame away, work our shame away, explain our shame away, eat our shame away, cry our shame away, or bury our shame away. Jesus isn't a king who sits on his throne and says, try harder. No, Jesus is a king who descends from his throne filled with compassion. Jesus identifies with us in the pit of shame at our darkest point when we feel the ugliest, most despairing. Jesus says, I love you. What other people said and thought and did to us doesn't define us. We don't have to live in shame. We aren't worthless. We aren't damaged goods. We are clean. We are whole. We are his. There's outside help. Jesus is the compassionate king. Jesus is also the rejected king. To the Jewish elites of his day, Jesus was the wrong kind of king. He lived in the wrong place, associated with the wrong people, preached the wrong message, appointed the wrong leaders, carried out the wrong mission, and offered the wrong redemption. The whole thing came to a head on Good Friday. Matthew writes about it. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. But risen on the third day, Jesus says this in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's what we would expect from a king, to have all authority. As our king Jesus makes demands of us, after all, Jesus the king has all authority in heaven and on earth. But before Jesus makes any demands of us, first Jesus comes for us. Jesus lives for us, dies for us, and Jesus rises for us. Jesus gives everything for us. That's a king worth following all the days of our lives. Matthew 9, verse 9 as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Who is Jesus? Jesus is our king that we follow all the days of our lives. Just ask Matthew. Amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.